Greetings, this is Pastor Stan Harvey of the Pentecostals of Sydney. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. It is our hope that this message, whether it be a Sunday service or a midweek lesson, would be a blessing and a help to you in your spiritual journey. Stay connected with us on our website, posydney.com, or on our numerous social media platforms. Now to the service. thankful for the, the body of Christ and I'm looking forward to some better sleep sometime soon well I believe God has a word for the church today and I pray the body would be willing to receive with the open heart the word of God so if it's okay if you wouldn't mind standing with me we're going to read from the book of Job chapter 3 reading verse 11 through to verse 26 is a fair portion of text here This is Job from chapter 3, verse 11 through to verse 26. Obviously, a man in despair after being subject to Satan's destruction, allowed by God. He says these words, he's crying out to God. Why did I not die at birth? Why did I not perish when I came from the womb? Why did the knees receive me or why the breasts that I should nurse? For now I would have lain still and been quiet. I would have been asleep. Then I would have been at rest with the kings and counselors of the earth who built ruins for themselves or with princes who had gold who filled their houses with silver. Why was I not hidden like a stillborn child, like infants who never saw light? There the wicked cease from troubling and the weary are at rest. There the prisoners rest together. They do not hear the voice of the oppressor. The small and great are there and the servant is free from his master. Why is light given to him who is in misery and life to the bitter of soul who long for death but it does not come and search it for more than hidden treasures who rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they can find the grave. Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden and whom God has hedged in? For my sighting comes before I eat. My groanings pour out like water. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me and what I dreaded has happened to me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, for trouble comes. Obviously, a man in great distress We find ourselves in great distress from time to time. And I want to speak to you here with the help of God here this morning on this subject. And I believe there is a title. Where is God when I cannot feel Him? Where is God when I cannot feel Him? Turn to your neighbor and say, where is God when I cannot feel Him? Let's put our Bibles down and would you lift your hands towards heaven and we're going to pray right now for the ministry of God's Word. If you're an apostolic and you're wanting a move of the Spirit here, I wonder if you'd pray with me with open mouths and arms lifted. Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand before you right now. 
We are grateful for the privilege of being in your presence and being in your house. We ask you right now to minister to every heart, touch every spirit, Lord God. I come against every hindrance in the spiritual dimensions, Lord God. I come against every opposition, Lord God, in this place. We pray for a mighty move of your presence, oh Lord God. We pray for your spirit to touch lives. Let there be transformation that may take place here by the power of your word, Lord God. Your word declares it shall not return void. And we believe it right now that you're going to touch lives. I pray right now that you'd have your way. In Jesus' name, let every apostolic say amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Please be seated. Please be seated. Where is God when I cannot feel Him? There are many things, uh, themes that are present in Scripture that are commonly read of, commonly preached about, taught, that at least attempt to describe the nature of our God. We know He is indescribable, but even a casual reader of the Scripture would notice that uh, There are themes that are repeated in the Word of God that try to remind us the type of God that we serve. We read of the grace of God, the love of God. We read of the oneness of God, the authority of God, the wisdom of God. The book of Genesis, we read of God's creative creative abilities, His unending faithfulness, ability to restore And we learn throughout the Gospels of his endless compassion. We would easily run out of adjectives that do justice to the awesomeness of our Jesus here today. But for every season and every situation that we face in this life, we know that in God we have access to specific intervention. To those whom are sick, It is his healing abilities, as Brother Wiki mentioned earlier. To those who are in financial need, it is his ability to provide our Jehovah Jireh. To those mourning, it's his ability to comfort. But despite the fact that Jesus has the ability to meet needs of people in very specific ways, we can sum it up by saying that regardless of the need that we have, we serve a God who is all-powerful here today. How many believe that He is all-powerful? In the Scriptures, the power of God is synonymous with God's right hand. The right hand of God carries with it great power, communicates strong and certain attributes of God. When Ephesians 1 sits Jesus at the right hand in the heavenly places, it is to say that he is far above all principality and power and dominion, not only in this world, but also the world which is to come, that all things are under his feet and that he is the head of all things. Can somebody say amen? From... Genesis to Revelation and almost every book in between we read of the right hand of God which signifies the might and the majesty and the grace and the glory and the strength and the preeminence and the power of the God that we serve here today who's a personal savior today. A God that is in complete command and in complete control 
all through scripture we read it in Hebrews 5 the Bible calls him the author of our salvation in Hebrews 1 the Bible calls him the brightness of God's glory in Luke 7 he is a friend of sinners in Matthew 12 he is greater than Solomon in Acts 3 he is the holy one in just in Hebrews 6 he is immutable he cannot lie in Acts 13 he is the justifier of us all in Ruth 4 he is the kinsman redeemer in John 1 the lamb of God in Romans 3 the mercy seat in Philippians 2 the name that sits above every other name in Revelation 22 he is Omega the last word in Romans 9 he is the potter in John 5 the quickener in Deuteronomy 33 refuge in Psalm 3 my shield in Ephesians he's unsearchable and in Zacharias he is the wall of fire around us I don't know about you but that describes a God that is in control and in command of every part of our life and if you believe that would you shout unto the Lord and give him a hand clapper praise here today so how can it be how can it be that despite this great man, this great and powerful God that we read of, we read of a man in Job 3 who is beyond the realms of hopelessness. A man despising the day of his own conception. Job, who was a wealthy man of success and acclaim, great and faithful man of God, a man who loved God. There's no question about that. He rejected evil. However, at this stage of his life, he was exposed to every piece of atrocity imaginable, brought to his knees by virtue of lost possessions and lost respect and lost health and lost loved ones. We sense, church, the agony in his words as he questions to God his own existence. We feel the pain as he begs God for rest from troubles so we can understand why Job hungers to discover where God has hidden himself at this time in his life. We sense from Job's desperate cry unto God that this time of tragedy and trouble when he needed God the most, he felt like he could not find him. We find ourselves alone. Sorry, though none of us here, I pray, ever suffer such utter devastation to the same degree to that which rocked the life of Job. There's none of us here today, not a single soul here today, who have not at some time or another felt the same feelings that Job felt. When we find ourselves alone, we look around and we look up and down and left and right, we look around every corner of our prayer life and we cannot find the presence of God. We come to the house of God and others are rejoicing and I cannot feel it. Others are shouting and I've got no shout in me. Others are praying and I've got no prayer. Others have fire in their spirit, but I cannot find God. We ask ourselves, where is God? The same God that the person left to me and write to me can feel as they worship God and there are tears pouring down their face. Where is the God that they are feeling and I cannot feel it in this season of life? And if you have ever felt that way, you're in good company because we read of a great man called Job who cried those prayers to the Lord saying, where are you, Lord, when I cannot feel you? When I need you the most, I cannot find you. 
Why is it, church, that when we're standing on the mountaintop, that the shout comes easy, the, the joy flows, but when the valley seasons of life come and darkness clouds around and everything is going wrong, we find ourselves even in the house of God with a wonderful worship team and a wonderful preacher and man of God. We find ourselves yet unable to shout, yet unable to rejoice, yet unable to feel Him. We ask ourselves, where is God when I cannot feel Him? Can anybody be honest here for a moment and say, I've passed through seasons in my life where I've been in the house of God and I've, everybody here is feeling something that I can't feel. Everybody's worshiping a God that I can't feel and we've all been there. Like the young mother who looks at her life as my mother tells me she did at a time in her life and asks, where is God when I lost my husband? Or the troubled teenager, which I can speak on behalf of, that says, where was God? And my parents separated. Or the person that can't pay bills and says, where was God when I lost my employment? Where was God when cancer took my loved ones? Where was God when everything went wrong? I've served him, I've been faithful to him, I've prayed to him, I've lived for him, but I cannot find my Savior when I need him in this time of trouble. And though we are taught not to question God, I cannot help but notice that God was not taken aback, nor was he offended or insulted by the cries of Job, questioning God's lack of activity. So I'm not here today to make you feel bad if you've shared those same questions that Job had on that day when he was crying out to God. I'm not here to condemn you or judge you, and I know I'm attempting to answer one of life's most puzzling questions that many wiser and more anointed and more uh, experienced than I have attempted to answer. But because I believe there is an answer in the Word of God, I'm going to try my best to give you an answer to this question that we have all asked, which is where is God when I'm in the middle of this season and I cannot feel Him? First of all, I believe He's always there. He's always present. We are never abandoned by God. And if it seems that way, it just seems that way because our emotions are not the gospel. If I cannot reach him, it does not mean he is not there. If I cannot hear him, it does not mean he's not calling my name. If I cannot feel him, it does not mean I'm not wrapped in his arms. It does not mean my life is not in the palm of his hands. And because I'm human and because I'm flesh, because I ride the emotions of life, it may feel that God has abandoned us. But despite what my emotions tell me and despite what Job felt on that day and despite what you feel, feel in from time to time the word of God still says lo I am with you always even until the ends of the earth you're going to go through seasons of life where God doesn't always give you that reassuring touch or comforting voice that your flesh so desires but I've come here to encourage you that when you find yourself in that situation you got to keep on living for God keep on being faithful keep on believing because Job said later that I don't know where he is but my God knows where I am and I'm here to simply tell the church there might be seasons you don't know where he is but God knows where you are he knows what you're going through if you believe that would you lift your hands towards heaven 
He knows where you are. The Word says He'll never leave me nor forsake me, that God is our refuge, a very present help in time of trouble. The Word also says, and it's one of my favorite portions of text, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God. So if it feels that way, I want to tell you, it just feels that way. It's not the truth. But the question still remains for many, why would God Allow me to move through life and pass through seasons where I cannot find Him. Through seasons where I cannot feel Him. I cannot recognize His hand on my situation. Very few here today, if any, would disagree with God's preeminent power that we've already discussed. But many here today, if we are honest and transparent for a moment find ourselves struggling with God's silence, waiting on Him to speak and we never hear anything, waiting for clear direction but we don't feel anything from God. We've all walked through the valley of the shadow where we cry out to God for something clear, something definite, something tangible that would rescue us from our situation and rescue us from our doubt. But God allows us to remain right where we are for a season. How many here can testify and say that they've prayed those prayers? Lord, get me out of this season. I've been here long enough. Lord, take me on to something. i rather a different challenge, Lord. But God has been silent and he's allowed you to remain. Come on, there's about four people with their hands up. How many can testify and say they've prayed, God, get me out of this situation, but he has not answered when you wanted him to answer you. The reality that we must grapple with here today is the Bible says nowhere in Scripture that we have a right to know our future. Nowhere are we promised that he will tell us the duration of our affliction. Nowhere is it promised that he will hide us from adversity. He just says he will never leave us nor forsake us. Praise God. Sometimes that's all we have. I don't know how long I'm going to be here in this situation. I don't know how long I'm going to be waiting in this moment in time. But all we have are words like that which says he will never leave us nor forsake us. I can give you example upon example of where we have seen this play out in the Word of God. In other words, where was God when Joseph was abandoned by his brothers? And where was God when Joseph was set up by Potiphar's wife and thrown into prison? Where was God when the chief butler had the ability to rescue him but forgot about him? I'll tell you where God was in all of those situations. He was backing Joseph right into the place where he called him to be. Joseph thought he was going backwards but God knew that he was moving forwards in the spirit and I have a word for somebody here today there are seasons where you feel like you are going backwards there are seasons where you feel you're not making any progress but God is still in control of your life he has not forgotten about you God views your life through the lens of eternity he does not view it through the lens of today so some of us ought to stand to our feet and say Lord I don't know 
what you're doing right now, but I know you have my life in the palm of your hands. I refuse to give up and walk away. I'm not going to lose my faith because I know he sees the end from the beginning. Praise the Lord. We think we're moving in the wrong direction, going backwards, losing traction, but God has not forgotten about you. He is orchestrating your victory. He is orchestrating your deliverance. He is behind enemy lines and he is fighting for you. I heard it said by somebody once, that sometimes God redeems your story by surrounding you with people that need to hear your past so it does not become part of their future. I want to tell you that your story has a purpose here today. Even the parts of your story that you look back upon with regret. Even the parts of your life that you look back upon as wasted opportunities. God will use that. It's part of your ministry. It's part of your story. And there will be people in your life that need to hear those words. They need to hear about the parts of the seasons of your life where you felt like God had abandoned you, but God came through for you. They need to hear that because if God can get you through, he can get them through. That's why we can't walk away from God in the seasons of life where we feel abandoned. Because if you'll be faithful and he will take you through, you have a story to tell. You have a testimony to share that when somebody comes into your life in five or ten, years you can say my son and my daughter don't you dare walk away don't you dare give up let me tell you about a story about 10 years ago when I felt like God forgot about me but I held on to my faith and God restored me and he can do the same to you I can't tell you where I would be right now if there were no elders in my life that told me to hold on and they shared about their story. They shared about situations they've been through. They tell me about the faithfulness of God. Some of the pillars in this church have given me encouraging words when I felt like giving up and they said, Brother Craig, you hold on. Don't you give up because God's gonna see you through and I have seen the faithfulness of God in my life and I'm preaching to somebody right now. You're about ready to give up and walk away. Don't you dare give up God sees the end from the beginning praise God and he always has the final say God gives you a word he gives you a promise isn't that the easy part the promise that that's the process sorry that follows the promises that is difficult the path that God requires of us to walk down to attain the promise, that's the part that stretches us. So there's some elders in the house of God that can attest to that. Hearing from God and knowing He's going to be there for you and Having a promise or a word spoken to you by an elder is the easy part, but it's the process. It's the daily walking. It's being faithful to the house of God when you're waiting for the promise to come to fruition. That's the hard part, praise God. It's the part that kills our flesh. It's the part that destroys the flesh. And I believe he allows us to go through that process so that when his promises come to pass, there is no flesh that receives glory. It is just the glory that belongs to the Lord. For 1 Corinthians 1 says that no flesh should glory in his presence. It happens in every great man or woman of God. Praise God. We look at the word of God and we see 
God speaking to Noah, saying, Noah, I'm going to use you and Moses. I'm going to use you and Joshua. I'm going to use you and Paul. I'm going to use you. And it sounds wonderful. But when we read about what these men and great men of God went through, when we see what happened between the promise and the fulfillment, it doesn't sound so wonderful anymore. Every one of these men would have faced days and moments when they would question God, where are you in this? I got a word from you. You spoke to me in a burning bush. You gave me a clear word. Why am I in the wilderness right now? But every single time God came through for them and I'm here to preach to the church right now that every single time God will come through to you. All you got to do is take your mind off the lens of today and put your mind to the lens of eternity. For the Bible says this life is but a vapor compared to eternity. We got to step outside of today and focus on the fact that God has promised my tomorrows if I will hold on to faith. How many believe that here today? We're going to hold on to faith. I believe God's looking for some people here today that are sure in their calling, confident in their standing, that say, I refuse to allow Satan to destroy and discourage me away from God's promises. I refuse to allow the seed of faith that he put inside of me to die, praise God. And Satan's done it since the beginning. You speak to any man or woman of God that you look up to, and you respect their ministry. Invite them out for coffee and say, can you give me five minutes of your time? And you ask them to share their story. And you're going to hear a story that does not sound as glamorous as what it looks like when they're standing up here with a microphone in their hands. You're going to hear of a story of persecution. You're going to hear of a story of long periods of time where they were holding on to a word, holding on to God's promises when they couldn't feel the power of God, couldn't feel God's hand upon their life. You're going to hear stories of rejection. You're going to hear stories of abandonment. You're going to hear stories of persecution. But those that hold on, they will see the fulfillment of God's promises in their life. And God has called every single person here today under the sound of my voice not to walk away when you don't feel the hand of God upon your life. Don't you dare walk away when you feel a little bit stale. You keep coming through those doors. Keep turning up to the house of God. Keep dragging yourself down the M5 and say, I don't know, I can't feel God anymore. God will show up when he will show up. All we have to do is be faithful to where God has called us to be. And I promise you, you'll look back and say, I can see the hand of God upon my life. We need to take our mind off of today and put our mind onto the Word of God. For it is better that we find eternity. It's better that we find eternity having passed through seasons of loneliness, seasons of doubt, than it is for us to burn bright and burn short and walk away because we came across a season where we couldn't feel God anymore. I believe I'm preaching some people right now that feel stuck in their spirit. You feel stuck in your season. You feel like you're not moving forward. I'm here to tell you, every great man and woman in the Word of God had seasons where it didn't look like they were moving forward, but God was working on their behalf. He was behind enemy lines, and I'm here to tell you, if you hold on to the Word of God, if you will stand where you are, if you refuse to retreat, 
street, God is working for you. He is working for you. And you will see his hand upon your life. If you believe that, would you clap your hands into the Lord right now? He has not forgotten you. He has, say it right now, God has not forgotten me. God has not forgotten me. Or we love to look at the highlight reels of people's ministries in their lives. We love to watch the highlight reels. But they will tell you the highlight reels are but a fraction of their story. Matter of fact, the highlight reels are only there because they held on in the seasons of life that did not feel glamorous. I was playing golf with Brother Greg Hackathorne nine years ago. This is not in my notes, so if this goes haywire, you can delete that from the stream. Anyways, we're playing golf, and we happened to be playing on a golf course. I had really nice turf, nice grass. And it was just before the, it would have been a little bit before the 2014 Soccer World Cup. I think that was in, was that Brazil? I won't talk about the grand final. Sorry, bro. That didn't go well. But that was the World Cup. He said to me, he goes, oh, I read this article about uh, the grass that was being used at the Soccer World Cup. Oh, that's interesting. He goes, yeah, do you know the grass in the Soccer World Cup isn't actually, the, it wasn't actually grown in Brazil? I'm like, oh, okay. He goes, it was grown in Canada. I'm like, oh, that's strange. So he goes, yeah, there's a, a place in Canada called Manitoba. In fact, Sister Stephanie Shaw was raised in Manitoba. Manitoba is famous for grass fields. They produce grass, apparently. I did validate the story afterwards. <clears throat> Basically, what they did was there was a, a type of rye grass that was bred in Manitoba, Canada. And this particular grass, it takes a long, long, long time to take. Requires lots of fertilization, lots of love and care, lots of attention given to it. And it looks like nothing is happening, but if you do all of the right things, the farmer in, in Manitoba, Canada says, eventually you will produce a pure grass that is extremely resilient of high quality. And so what they did was they produced acres and acres of this rare rye grass that was going to be purpose-built for the Soccer World Cup. And so they, they did that. This farmer, he would take care of it. And when it was just dirt and didn't look like anything special, he would take care of it and he would fertilize it. He would water it. And for the longest time, it looked like nothing was happening until eventually you started to see that rare and that pure type of rye grass coming through the surface. And as that matured, they would cut that up and they would roll it up and they took it over to the Brazil for the Soccer World Cup where they would roll it out and it would be the centerpiece of the entire world. It would be the centerpiece of the football World Cup and that story really spoke to me because for the majority of the existence of that grass, it was out in the wilderness just being purified and just being taken care of and eventually it, it had its time where it was cut up and transported to Brazil and I'm here to encourage somebody right now that feels like they're in Manitoba right now. You feel like nothing is taking place in your life. You feel like 
like nothing is unfolding that if you would allow God to work in you, if you would allow the, all the things to be weeded out of you, if you would allow yourself to be purified, God in his perfect time will cut you up and he will place you at a place where God can see the promises that he gave you fulfilled. I pray to God that nobody under the sound of this voice will walk away from God in Manitoba. You make sure you get to Brazil where God has called you to be. Don't you dare walk away from God before his promises are fulfilled. And even if it feels like he has given up on you, he is still fighting on your behalf. The Bible says these words, if Sister Stephanie could come, that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run, not be weary, shall walk and not faint. Even when I cannot feel my Savior, my Savior knows where I am. When I cannot feel Him, He's still at work, still fighting, still defeating my enemies, working for me behind enemy lines. Would you stand with me right now? Sorry, lack of sleep, my voice is just... 1 Samuel chapter 4, we read of an Israel in a backslidden state. Israel goes out to battle against the Philistines where they meet defeat. Bible says Israel was smitten before the Philistines where 4,000 of their men lost their lives. They came back to camp with their heads down, weapons trailing in the dust. They knew that they had just lost 4,000 of their men and they were required to fight again the next day. Their morale was down. One of the elders of the camp, he suggested that they need the presence of God with them in battle. Bible says they went back to Shiloh to collect the Ark of the Covenant. When they brought it back to the camp, all of Israel shouted with a great shout. Confidence was high that they would be victorious now that they had God's presence with them. When the Philistines heard this shout, the Bible says that they understood that the Ark of the Covenant was with them, that they were fearful. They said, oh no, the Israelites, they have the Ark of the Covenant with them. The mercy seat, the Cherubims, Ten Commandments are there. The rod of Aaron is there. Fear struck the camp. The Philistines were so scared that they conceded defeat before they even went to battle. One said these words, if we have to die, let us die like men. Israel thought, that just because God was with them, that victory belonged to them. But I'm here to tell you right now, the story takes a twist. Because it takes more than just a box. It takes more than just a symbol. It takes more than just a memory of greater faith in your forefathers to have victory. Simply applying God when it's convenient to you will not cut it. They took it in a battle. The Bible says that they lost again. Defeated miserably. 30,000 men died when they had the Ark of the Covenant with them. 
Once more, the Philistines captured the ark. They took the ark back to their fish god called Dagon. They took the ark of the covenant, put it at the feet of their idol god, Dagon. And as we read this portion of text, you might ask yourself, why would the God of Israel allow himself to be placed at the feet of an idol god called Dagon? No self-respecting God would do that, allow himself to sit at the feet of an idol god. And the answer to that, church, is this. Because the God of Israel was going to win a victory for those people that they could not win for themselves. The God of Israel was going to win a victory for His people that they could not win for themselves. We read on to see they locked the Ark of the Covenant with the day with the with Dagon. They leave it overnight. They open the door and they find Dagon face down in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. They pick it back up. They dust it off. Put it back on its centerpiece. They lock the door again. The next morning, the sun rises. They walk down to the temple. They open up the door again. This time they find Dagon face down. His head was missing. His limbs were cut off. The presence of God, church, was in the hands of the enemy, but his power had not diminished in the hands of the enemy. The Lord had been captured. He placed himself in the hands of the enemy. He allowed himself to go behind enemy lines to fight for his people, praise God. And even when their faith was not sufficient, God still fought on their behalf. And I'm here to tell you right now that if your faith is not sufficient, we still serve a good God. We still serve a faithful God that will go behind enemy lines and ensure that you have victory. I'm here to preach to a church of people that sometimes feel doubt. When you can't do it, I serve a God that can do it. Praise God. When I can't make it, He can make it for me. He'll destroy every devil. He'll defeat every enemy. Maybe I can't feel it in my flesh, but the Word of God is sure that He fights my battles. He's a faithful Savior here today. He has not forgotten about you. He's not forgotten about you. Feel to preach to a tired and weary believer here today. That if you can't feel God in your situation, He has not forgotten about you. He has not let you go. He has not abandoned you. He's not the type of God that will turn His back on His people. All we are called to do here today is to keep on believing. Keep on holding on to the Word of God and keep on being faithful to His Word. We open this message here today as I come to a close with the words of Job pointing the finger at God, 
regretting his own existence, having a pity party about the state of his life. We read, he said, why did I not even die at birth? Why did I not perish when I came from the womb? This was not a small frustration. This was calamity in his life. He got to the point where he was regretting his own existence. And maybe there are some people here today, you have felt that way. You find yourself in situations where you said, God, why am I going through this? Why was it? Why have I been through all this pain? What is the purpose of all of this? All I can say to you here today, and this may be of no consolation, that if you will just stay where God has planted you to be, I promise you it is in His Word that there will come a day where you will look back at this season of life and you will say, even though at that time I could not feel Him, yet I know His hand was upon my life, yet I know He never let go of me. I want to preach to some discouraged saints here today that God is all-powerful. He can orchestrate anything. He can turn your situation around. All you have to do is be faithful and Keep on turning up to the house of God. Keep on being faithful where He has placed you to be. And you will see the hand of God in His perfect time. For the Bible says, Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than His beginning. For for He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. God turned His situation around. God uh, turned Joseph's situation around. God turns people's situation around that refuse to turn their back on God. And I believe it's the same for people here today. That if you will hold on, He will turn it around. As my voice begins to wane, I wonder if you just lift your hands towards heaven right now with me. Yes, every single person in this house, you may not be going through a Job season of life right now. Maybe you're standing on the mountaintop. If I could just have some more monitor, please, to her, until I'm done. You may find yourself having similar conversations to Job. Wondering, where is the presence of God that I felt the very first time I came through these doors? Some of us have testimonies of awesome power. When we first came to the house of God, we felt Him so close. You pass into situations and seasons where you lose that intensity. If that is you right now, or if you've been through that, I wonder if you lift your hands towards heaven. And we're going to pray. Yes, and if you are in the mountaintop, maybe you can pray on behalf of somebody else that you know is going through the fire. We all pass through these seasons. The Word of God tells us that none shall be spared. We shall all go through these seasons of life. So let us pray right now, and I pray that you'd pray with me. Let us pray together. Let there be an atmosphere that would be developed in this house where faith is high. And maybe some people that came through this house with stale faith would have something stirred up inside of them. So would you lift your hands with me right now and open up your mouth as we pray to the God of heaven. Father, I pray right now, Jesus, that your presence would fall in this place. Oh, Lord God, I ask that you would touch every soul in this house. Oh, Lord God, let their faith be stirred, Lord God. Remind them of your word which is yea and amen it shall not come back void that you'll never leave us nor forsake us you won't forget about us in our time of need I pray right now for some souls that they're losing their faith they feel stale they feel God they can't feel you anymore they come to the house of God they got no shelter they can't find time in their prayer closet their faith 
is waning, I pray that you would stir up something in them right now, that they would find something at this altar they've not found before. I pray, Lord God, that you would do a work in this place. Let miracles, signs, and wonders follow, Lord God. Bring to life that which is dead, Lord God, I pray right now. We pray for souls in this house. Maybe they're about ready to walk away. Maybe they're about ready to turn their back. I pray that one more time they will come down to this altar and feel the presence of God and feel the glory of God. That they refuse to walk away. They're going to remain faithful to the house of God as your servant Job did. Oh, because your word promises that the end shall be greater. Oh, hallelujah. Would you lift your hands and lift your voices right now to the Lord. And I pray right now that there'd be some Job's in the house. Some Job's in the house. Some Joseph's in the house that find themselves in this season of life that need to be reminded that the God of Israel is still fighting on their behalf. I want to open up these altars right now. If you find yourself in this season, find space at this altar. For God's presence is here. He can restore you. And if you're standing on the top of, on the top of a mountain, if you feel like everything's working out perfectly, I want you to come on behalf of somebody you know and intercede for them. I want you to pray for somebody that you know is right at the precipice of walking away, right at the precipice of giving up, right on the precipice of abandoning their faith. Would you come and intercede on their behalf right now? Because we serve a God who hears the prayers of his children. Hallelujah. And as our worship team begins to sing, I wonder if we could just stir up an atmosphere in this place. Where things that were once dying would come to life. It is not God's will that we walk through this life holding on by a thread. It is not God's will that we walk in permanent misery and despair and doubt. It's God's will that you would come out of that season with fresh anointing and fresh power and more faith than you had before. And I pray that you would respond to this season right now by allowing God to work through it, to turn our lives around. If you're feeling a tug of the Spirit right now, I pray that you'd come down and allow God to minister to you. He has a word for you. He has a fresh touch for you. He wants to remind you of His promises. For His word is yea and amen. As our music, musicians and singers lead us, I wonder if you'd tap in, enter into the presence of God. Go to a place you've not been before. And let's allow the presence of Jesus to touch lives. Even when I don't see it, you're working. 